is that the Holy Spirit would just hover over this place and that people would sense a tangible anointing and a tangible presence of the living God today. And Father, I pray today that our hearts would be hungry and that we would cry out for more of you, a closer walk with you. Oh, Father, today I pray that, that at the end as we pray for together and we pray for each other like we haven't been able to lately, Lord, we know that your hand is moving today. And Father, we call this people blessed. We call them prosperous. We call them happy. We call that we have more than enough in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in a series called Keep the Change. Keep the Change. You know, how many know that God works all things together for those that love him and that are called according to his promise? How many out, out there you love him? How many of you love him? And how many know that you're called according to his purposes? Amen? Amen. So that means that all things work together for good. Somebody say all things. All things work together for good. So even in this COVID-19 where we were, had that forced quarantine, that was an opportunity to the church to evaluate, hey, where are we as a family? Evaluate, hey, where are we in a marriage? To evaluate, hey, where are we in relationship from father to son and mother to daughter and mother to son? And I've heard people say that, that, that some things begin to come up in their life that they didn't know was there in their marriage or with their kids or, or because we were forced to be together and, and things begin to come up. And people said, man, my marriage is better. My relationship with my kids are better. Things are so much better. Somebody say what the devil sent for bad, God turned it to good. Amen. So what I want to challenge you guys is we want to, yes, say it with me, keep the change. Say keep the change. We want to keep the change. And so while we have this forced quarantine, we realize that job and wealth and, and, and careers and degrees, that nothing else really matters, but we were forced to look at what matters most. I want to pose that question today, what matters most? And what I believe that we found out, and we're going to keep this change, is the best use of life is love and relationships. Love and relationships are the most important part of our lives. Love and relationships, they should be a top priority. They should be a primary objective. They should be a great godly ambition. It's not enough to say that one thing that I need is to be loving like it's a top ten goal. But the scripture says, let love be your greatest aim. Let love and relationship be our greatest aim. What we're shooting for. You know, a lot of times we treat love and relationship like it's just something we squeeze in. Man, I got to squeeze in some time with my wife, squeeze in some time with my children. Oh, man, how am I going to squeeze in this event that I need to go to? Then we wonder why our marriage, we're always squeezing things in. Man, I'm going to squeeze in church attendance. I'm going to squeeze in small group. And then we wonder why our marriage and our family and our spiritual lives are weak. Why is it? Why is it that relationships, when something has to be skimmed or cut, why is it that the first thing that we skim is relationally? So I want to challenge us today. What matters most, love and relationship? You know, living without love and relationship 
is like living a life that is really worthless. Why is love and relationship so important? Because living without love and relationship is living a life that's worthless. Well, how can you say that? Because the word says it. It says, if I give everything I own to the poor, think about that, give everything I own to the poor, I even put my body at a stake to be burned as a martyr. But if I don't, if I don't have love, I've gotten no, nowhere. The word says no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, the word says I'm bankrupt. I want you to think about that word. I'm bankrupt unless I have love and relationship. So life without love and relationship is worthless. It pretty much says in that scripture that nothing really else matters. And I think we experienced that a little bit as we had our forced quarantine. You know, love and relationships are so important to God that in the top ten of the big ten commandments, six of the commandments, four of the commandments deal with our relationship with God. God, so, God the Father, so into that, that that four of the commandments had to do with us and him, our vertical relationship. And then six out of the ten deal with relationship with others. So we serve a relational God that's concerned about our relationships. And later Jesus summarized all that what matters. When he came in the New Testament and he began to teach and preach, he summarized. He said, hey, let me summarize this whole Bible. If you ever want to pick up your Bible and say, man, this thing's too complicated, follow the teaching of Jesus and let him say, let me summarize this with one scripture. And he said, love God with all your heart. Love God with all your soul. Love God with all your mind and love God with your, all your strength. And he said, this is the first. Everybody say first. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two things. So today as we come back together, our number one goal, we need to know that what matters most it's not our bank accounts, it's not our jobs, it's not our careers, it's not our homes, it's not our paying our bills, it's not keeping things going. Our number one relationship, the first and foremost commandment in all the word of the Lord is to love God with all your heart. How many out there say, I want to love God with all my heart? God doesn't want to compete for your heart. He says he won't compete with your heart. He said that you got to love me more than your mother or your father or your siblings or your friends. He said love God with all your heart and with all your soul. Your soul is your mind. It's your thoughts. It's your emotions. It's your will. How many times do we need to show the action of loving God with our emotions where we say, not my will, but yours be done? Amen? That's an action of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and then we, leave, we love him with our strength, and that's with our actions. So we see that we're to love God with all of our heart, and number two, we're to love others. And Jesus said, this is what matters most. So as we keep the change, we want to know that love and relationships are what matters most. You know, I was blessed to grow up with good, rich relationships. I wasn't bankrupt. I was very rich in relationships. I had a mom and dad that loved me. I had a mom and dad that showed a good example to me. I had a mom and dad that would pray with me. I had a mom and dad that would show me uh, scripture and talk to me about scripture. I had a dad who said, 
my dad was a farmer. In fact, in the 70s, he was um, farmer of the year in all of uh, Missouri. He was a great farmer. We had a big farm, lots of cattle. We had a big farm. But my dad, uh, say it rained, say it rained for three days in the week. And it, it rained Thursday, Friday, Saturday. When it came to Sunday, when all the farmers were like, man, I got to get out and plant crops. I got to get out and, and, and do, uh, make a living for my family. My dad said, I'm going to love God. My dad said, I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and action. And my dad would refuse to farm on Sunday. He would refuse. It didn't matter if it rained all week and they waited for the ground to dry and all the farms like, man, this is our window to get the crops in. My dad always put God first and foremost. I grew up rich in legacy. I grew up with grandparents that loved me. I grew up with, uh, um, after, after at school, uh, me and my buddies in football, we'd run up to granddad's before Friday night football and granddad would make hamburgers for all of us. I grew up playing skip bow and, and, and having fun with my granny. I grew up when I would make wrong decisions and, and do things that weren't really uh, Christ-like or Christian or whatever. Uh, I would go into my granny and I would talk to her. And I always had people that was rich in relationships. My uncle would take me to Saturday morning prayer breakfast. When I got suspended 21 days from school for, uh, I better not tell you why. I had a 21-day out-of-school suspension because I was kind of away from the Lord for a while. We, I was so rich in relationships that me and my buddy Ted, who we decided um, that we would be crazy with and got suspended out of school with, uh, my dad and mom were like compassionate and understanding. When I went to my friend Ted's house, his dad Lloyd said, boys, out to the shed. I got a whipping from my best friend's dad. <laughs> I was rich in relationships. I had plenty of people that cared about me. I remember one time I had drank too much and was driving over 80 mile an hour and a highway patrolman pulled me over. Pretty drunk. Highway patrolman pulled me over and he said, um, he said Brian, you got so much going for you. You, you, you got a family, you, you know about God, you got all this. He gave me one of those live talks. And then when I got back, when he got done with that, he said, let the girl drive. And he, and he, let, he let me off that time. But we, I was rich in relationships. I was rich with people that loved me. Guys, we need to put a premium on relationships. We need to make our kids where they can say, I'm rich in relationships. We need to say where a, a wife can say, man, I'm rich in my marriage. We need to be rich in our relationships. The reason for that is because relationships, relationships last forever. Relationships last forever. Number one, we're, it's worthless without them. And number two, relationships last forever. The Bible says that now these three things remain or they continue forever. You know, the only thing that continues is faith, hope, and love. But it, the Bible says in Corinthians, it says, but the greatest of these is love. Love and relationships. Listen to this. Love and relationships is what made an eternal. Everybody say eternal. An eternal difference in me. We're talking about love and relationships last forever. 
They make an eternal, an eternal difference. It'll last forever. Even in that, when I began to think back, when I began to think back, I was so rich in those kind of relationships as well. I want you to think about those things that you think aren't a big deal, and I want you to know how big of a deal they are. My junior year, I got kind of, um, well, I want to I go back to when I was 13. When I was 13, I was mowing the churchyard at a Methodist church, and while I was out there mowing, it's like I went, like I wasn't there. I don't know how, I hate to use this word, but almost like a trance. I wasn't there. And all I could do is I started getting a heart. I just start, kept looking at the church building. I kept getting a heart, a heart for the church building. And then something was birthed in me to want to be a preacher when I was out there mowing a yard. So at 12, 13 years old, I went in and told my Methodist pastor, that guy took me under his wing and helped me write two sermons when I was 13 and 14 years old and put me in front of people to preach them. What he did is that influence that he had in his life, it made an eternal difference. It's, why, it's one of the reasons I'm here today. I want us to think about with love and relationships that some of the little things we don't think much about are huge. Just sharing that with that pastor Here's another thing. I got off when I was, um, I stayed true to the Lord through sophomore in high school. And then I didn't have the backbone because I was ribbed and ridiculed so hard for being a Christian. I just kind of went the opposite way. But when I made that opposite way, think about this. There was a family named Lauren Brady. Lauren Brady opened their house up every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. Because they said, man, there needs to be a place that youth can go so they don't, their only option isn't the parties or the places where they get into trouble. And so they took their garage and finished it out and they put ping pong tables in it, put dart boards in. Every week took their own money and they put food out and they just opened their home and it got known in that community that you could go to Lauren Brady's house. Some of us would get flap, slap, silly, drunk because we weren't living for the Lord. In fact, we would do that so much because when you got there, they showed you so much love and they didn't judge you. But when you say, Brian, what changed you to become a Christian? What changed you to become Christ-like or follow your purpose in life? It wasn't a Sunday sermon. It wasn't a Sunday going to church what changed me was lauren brady parker and them opening up their home and taking me back in the back room and spending hours talking to me and then introducing prayer to me brothers and sisters you are god's army you are god's army of compassion you are god's army we look at don't look to the church to win the world you are the church. Church isn't something we go to. Church is something we are. When we're outside of these walls, we are his hands. We are his feet. When we give water, we give that in the name of the Lord as if we're giving it to the Lord. When we cook hamburgers and open up our house and they tear things up in our house and they break the ping pong table, 
and they take the darts and hit the wall. Those are little sacrifices for the eternal difference that you can make in people's life. I want to challenge you today to get love and relationships primary, not secondary, first and foremost, and to be used of the Lord to make an eternal difference because love and relationships last forever. Number three is we'll be evaluated. We'll be evaluated by our love. You know, there's something um, I want to make clear to you of being a student of the Word because I know some of you um, need me to be a student of the Word because you haven't been to school and you maybe don't have time to put all the time in reading and studying and, and, and being trained in that. So, so when I stand up here, I realize that I've got to show people the best of my ability what the Word says. Guys, listen to this statement real clearly. Everybody here, everybody here, when we cross over in eternity, everybody here will be judged by their works. Think about that. Hopefully for you mature Christian, red flags are going up. How many know that we're saved by grace through Jesus Christ? There's nothing we can add and there's nothing we can take away. There's a great exchange where Jesus took my sin and gave me his righteousness. That's a great exchange. Jesus fulfilled all the law so that my belief in him, I'm justified and at peace with God because Jesus has fulfilled it. And my salvation is 100% only in the grace, mercy, and love of Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? But the Bible's very clear that the book of life that's what our names are written in when we accept Jesus but it also talks about books plural that are open and the books that are open here's what happens as Christians we make it to heaven because of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ everybody with me on that but in heaven you're rewarded for the works that you did in heaven you're rewarded for the works that you gave, give. It could be monetary giving. It could be a giving of time. It could be opening up your house. I'm challenging you today to make your life count for an eternal difference. Because as a pastor, I'm telling you that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and will give an account. The judgment seat of Christ is the one that Christians go to. We made it to heaven, but now we're rewarded for the works that we did. How many want to receive the rewards of the heaven? Amen. So, so you might say, and then in hell, people are punished by the works that they did. So everybody's going to be judged. You'll be rewarded in heaven for the works that you did or you'll be punished in hell for the works that you did i can prove it in scripture that an adolf hitler and a stalin is going to have a more severe judgment than people that maybe didn't kill millions of people but yet they still weren't christian there's different degrees even in hell jesus said when he uh talked to a city he said uh, it'll be a lot less tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you in the day of judgment. 
There's several scriptures that show that there's different extremes. But I don't know. I'll tell you what. I don't want to play around with an extreme. How many would say, I don't even want to think about hell. I want to think about heaven. Amen? But in heaven, you, you, you need to know these things. And if I'm going to preach the full gospel to people, we got to talk about hell and we got to talk about heaven. How many say I'm missing hell and making heaven? Then we put our faith in Jesus Christ, but we still will be rewarded for our works. So you're like, well, what is the, what are those works? Matthew chapter 25, we're, we're talking about three things. Love and relationships, one, are worthless. Our life is worthless without them. Number two, love and relationships. We're saying that when we have love and relationships, it lasts forever. And number three is we're evaluated by our love. One of the greatest ways that God measures spiritual, spirituality is by the quality of our relationships. It's not what your bank account says. Let's talk about our successful career or our hobbies. No, there'll be a review on how we treated each other and what we did with our life. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 34 through 46, I want to encourage you to read that later. But Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. How can I love in relationships? Hospitality, I was hungry and you fed me. That could be physical food. That could be spiritual food. It could be somebody at your work that, that came and they were sad because they just heard their uncle had pancreas cancer. And you could feed them by saying, can I pray for you? Can I be a friend to you? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty you, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Do you know love and relationship, uh, being a stranger and you invited me in could be as simple as coming to a setting like this and, and looking for somebody that's setting alone or all by themselves. I want our church to be conscious about love and relationships. I was a stranger and you invited me in your home. I was naked and you gave me some clothing. Church on the Rock, you guys blew my mind through these three months of COVID. It blew my mind. When we say, what are the, some of the good things that we want to keep the change in, in a church? I have never, I've been pastor in 33 years and I have never I have never seen a church function like a true church like we have through this COVID. People have taken extra that they have, kind of like in the book of Acts. People sold their homes. They sold different things. They shared what they had. They shared their food. They shared their money. Do you know people have paid other people's rents? People have paid other people's bills. People have taken food and showed up at other people's house to give them food. People have given away cars. Small groups have raised hundreds of dollars and taken care of people in this congregation, in this people. People were hungry. People were naked. People were without. And we were the church of Jesus Christ. And we were his hands and feet. Can we keep that change? Can we keep that change? We get, we, we pull into our homes and we shut the garage door and we never talk to one another in between the week. Through this COVID, people have texted other people they never text in the church body. They have called people they never call. 
Do you know Carmen and I tried, to, if, if you're here and you didn't get a call from Carmen and I, like I was talking to, I think, Dolores or somebody before church said, and, and said, man, I didn't hear from you. Do you know Carmen and I have called every person in our church Went through it. We took a, every week. We take forty-eight people or so and call them all. So if you didn't get a call, it was some kind of a mix-up. You're either not on our records, or you're if you're sitting out there. I never got a call. I don't know. Or it's somebody that we see all the time and something like that. But not only did we do that, you guys did that, brothers and sisters. Let's focus on love and relationships. And as we are now meeting back in person, let's not give up the calling each other. Let's not give up the seeing how each other's doing, just checking in. Let's not give up sharing what we have. Are y'all with me today? Let's not give those things up. That's what this series is called. Keep the change. Let's keep these changes. We're going to be evaluated by our love we're going to be evaluated by our love. God's going to look at that. God's given us time here on earth to practice loving each other in the household of faith. That's why he wants us to be regular in close fellowship with other believers because we get to operate that skill of loving each other. Love can't be learned in isolation. It's learned in relationship. It's Love's learned about being around irritating, imperfect, frustrating people. Josh said something last week that I don't want us to forget. He said, friendship is not a synonym of community. Friendship is not a synonym of community. A synonym of community is proximity. The kind of community. See, sometimes... If you look at Tim and Linda, Tim and Linda, where you at, Tim and Linda? Throw your hands up somewhere. Tim and Linda drive all the way past Love's Park to come to church. They, they cannot have the community that God's called us to with somebody in St. Charles. And sometimes when we think about community, we think that that means community only with our buddies. Only with people we like. And we'll drive miles to do that. Or we'll do anything we can to spend that time with our friends. But I want to tell you that friendship is not a synonym of community. Proximity is. The kind of love-based community that God wants us to walk in as a church. What are you doing, Pastor Brian Day? I'm trying to sow a seed in this church heart. Because I want us to be a church of community. The kind of community that, that is God-based is proximity. Because the kind of community where you just pop over to somebody's house because you're 10 minutes away. Where you can take eggs to somebody that needs something to finish their recipe. Or a mother's frazzled and they need somebody to watch the two kids. Is that not what a family's about and community's about? So it's about proximity. I want to challenge the church to draw a line around where you live and find out the people 
that live in that area, you can, you can even call the church, find the people that live in that area that's close in proximity to you and begin to try to find relationships and community with those people. It's beautiful when the old are mixed with the young. It's very scriptural. It's beautiful when we have to be around somebody that irritates the crud out of you. It's good for us. It's good for us. It's good for us to learn how to adapt and be with the guy that takes over every room that he's at and just ruins the whole conversation to navigate through that kind of stuff. Somebody say it's good for us. It's good for us. So I want to challenge this church to start practicing love and relationship with each other, with the household of faith. Draw a circle around the area you live in and begin to step out in that. Um, you know, one bad thing about me being up here, I have no idea how long I've been preaching today. There's usually a sign on the back door that says, you got to be done in 30 minutes. Has it been 30 minutes? <laughs> Let me read the sign just a second. Yeah. Um, you know, this is our first time back. Um, Carmen, you, you know, church families and being in community always have problems. I want to get a little bit raw and just personal. We always have problems just like personal families do. And how many know that just like a personal family takes strong commitment to stay committed to it, how many know that it takes a strong commitment to stay committed to your church family? Anybody out there say amen. You know, right now, there is so much political division. And I think I'm safe to say that our nation is divided. There's a great divide in our nation. And it's been burdening, burdening me. It's been a burden on my heart. And we have to be, as a church, we have to be, like, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Anybody out there say amen. Can you all hear me clear in the back? We're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Well, a lot of people that go to, this church, go to church don't know that yet. So they're in this world, and then they bring in this world into the church world. You all with me? We're not supposed to be of this world, and people that are of this world outside of these church walls, sometimes they try to bring of this world inside the church walls. We're not going to have any of that. We're not left, and we're not right. We're heavenly. We're not left. And we're not right, we're heavenly. We have a commandment that's far greater than left and far greater than right. And when we come together, there's three things that's been bothering me as a leader of this church is one, I see immature people that can't even talk to each other because we draw lines and we can't even have a discussion with each other. Christians 
You should be able to have discussions with brothers and sisters about things, and there's times we can agree to disagree. You know, even 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 at, at, at this church, um, because I, I, I'm getting a lot of, of what people are thinking. Somebody will say to me, I'm talking to thus and so, and this is what I'm telling them. And then another person says, I'm talking to thus and so, and this is what I'm telling them. And when I'm reading both of them, I'm like, neither one of you got it right. There's things that thus and so needs to hear that you're saying. When I, and I'm matching, it, when I'm matching it up to the word the best I can. There's stuff that thus and so's needing to hear. And there's things that this thus and so needs to hear. So the truth is they both could learn from each other. But doggone it, people put so much pride that they've got to be right and they've got to win that there's no give in anybody anymore. And I'm telling you, that's not the way that it's supposed to be in the church world. We may be in this world, but we're not of this world. And we need to love, honor, respect, and show dignity to people. And we need to know just like even today, if people want to wear a mask, they can wear a mask. It isn't a lack of faith. If people want to, if people want to, personally, I'd like to hug everybody, but I'm not hugging everybody for two reasons. One is I want to hug my grandkids, and I'm respecting my daughters by not doing that. It's not a lack of faith. And two, you know, everybody gets on one extreme or the other. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want any of that in this church. I want us to love one another. And what happens also, any time that there's debate, it's always pushed by pride of man. The pride that has to win. The pride that has to be right. But anyway, I've been wanting to say something on that, but never felt like I wanted to or what to say. And Carmen got something that I think, yeah, I just, you can come up here. Oh, you can come over here, dear. Carmen got something, and I was like, I like it. We've, we've had, a, especially our, a lot of people say you need to have a stand. You need to know what you need to say. You need to know how you feel. And so we were praying, and I was praying, and I was asking God, God, I don't want to listen to what this person says how I should feel, and I don't want to know what this person thinks how I should feel. God, I want to know how do you want us to feel. So as I was walking and praying, God gave this to me, I feel. I feel like God gave this to me. And so I wrote it down, and I, we wanted to read it to you today. This is how uh, Pastor Brian and I feel, and it was like what we would like Church on the Rock to be. We support our young people who passionately pursue change for their fellow humans. I'm going to try to read this without crying. We support our older people who have seen and know what it means to bring change to a nation and who pray for beauty to come from these ashes. We support our black brothers and sisters who for generation after generations have prayed for equality to become a reality for their children and for their children's children. We support our police officers 
who serve their communities in love, risking their lives daily to protect and keep peace for those around them. We do not support the left or the right, but we support the one who is above, the author and the finisher of our faith. We support the one who said, submit to one another in love, not preferring ourselves over one another, but to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. We support the one who said, above all else, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. We support the one who says, if there be any way, live peaceably with all mankind. The Bible says, remember this, my dear friends, everyone must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not achieve God's righteous purposes. That's what the Word says. You know, as we close today, Justin, I want you and uh, Valerie to come up. This is you guys' last Sunday with us, I think, right? Till you're in a new time of your life. How many say Justin and Valerie has just been a blessing to Church on the Rock? Justin and Valerie have, have walked in such integrity and uprightness through this transition and, and this difficult time. And so we want to pray with you guys today. And the second thing I want to do is how many know Joe Pagan? the police officer from Chicago. Uh, we're talking about love and relationship, leaving a legacy. He said, Pastor Brian, you don't know how hard it's been holding my shield. Every day I leave my house, my daughter's crying and my wife wondering if daddy's going to come home tonight. He said, it's that bad. Every day when I leave my house, I know that I may not be coming home. He says, when I hold my shield and people are beating my shield and spitting on me and yelling curses at me as a police officer, he said, I reach out to him and I talk to him about the compassion of Jesus. And I reach out and I try to build bridges with him. And he said, I remember something that my mom told me. If I can find it, starting to get... Uh, right up here he said it's trying and challenging times people are angry and things are put to the test and you know when he's behind his shield and through all that time he said brother Brian this is what I remember he said I remember my mother's words saying Joe God is in control he will lead you He's your chauffeur. How many of you know that love and relationships make a difference and last forever? Amen. Pastor Josh.